Again, it's your boy, King. Hey, it's your good friend, Jimbo. And uh, you're welcome to, to another week of Stay Tuned Sports. Our third week in a row we're doing this together. I, I, I think I think after this, we don't have to mention the fact that we're actually doing this together anymore. But, I was uh, wondering about that today, if it was the third week in a row. Or yeah, no, we've, got, we've hit week number three now in a row of doing this, so I'm very excited for that. I certainly hope you're excited as well. Lots of stuff going on in the world of sports, and we'll get to that in just a moment. If you want to go ahead and follow us on the social media, like the, all those kids are doing nowadays, those wacky millennials, uh, you can go ahead and follow us over on Twitter, and that is at ST Sports Bot Podcast. Sorry, I almost lost myself there. ST Sports <laughs> Podcast. That is on Twitter. You can follow myself at King of Skunk Duck, like the animal skunk, and like the animal duck. That would that's that's me, King of Skunk Duck. Uh, and how can they find you, Jimbo? You can catch me at Jimbo ST Sports. That seems relatively simple, easy, and to the point. Yours is actually related to the show. Mine is all kind of just all over the place, so whatever. Well, you remember when we were trying to figure out a new one for mine? Because remember, my old one was Swoop 425. Yeah, that was because... come up with anything. Well, I wanted, I wanted that gone anyway because, you know, eagles suck anyway, so... Uh, it's the greatest mascot out there. No, no, that's no. The greatest mascot is clearly NJ Devil. Uh, if, we're talk, if we're talking about mascots or across all the sports, NJ Devil is clearly the b- greatest mascot ever. Nah. Yeah. That not, it's not. It's not Swoop. That dude smells like ass. Swoop would swoop in and kick his ass. No, no, not even close. NJ Devil, he's got. I mean, he's got the. He's got the horns. He's got. He's got the. I mean, not only that, but NJ Devil is jacked, man. You know what I'm saying? He's always doing the push-ups in the stands and being all athletic. He's traveling all over New Jersey and all these other places. Like whenever they do like hey, those. You remember mascot, the story of David and Goliath? Like when they do those mascot challenges, like at the All Star Games and stuff. He's always on top. I mean, I'm telling you, NJ Devil, best mascot out there. I'm not just saying that because I'm a Devils fan. NJ, NJ Devil, best mascot out there. Swoop uh, will take that pitch no, mark. No, no. Well, that just shows. I'll that just goes stop. to show you what you know. Said NJ Devil doesn't have a pitchfork. He doesn't need it. Well, it's hidden somewhere, and I won't say where. See why? Why you gotta take it? Why you gotta take it to a bad place? Why you always gotta? You always gotta take it down to that to that level. <laughs> why you gotta take it there? Don't t- don't do that. Don't you don't ha- you don't have to take it down to that level. Uh. I don't know. I don't know if there's any other... Ma- you know who I like? If we're going to talk about mascots, uh, I like the new one out in Vegas, Chance. I like I like me some Chance. Yeah. That big Gila monster yeah, I thing. Agree. Everybody, I agree. Everybody kind of freaked out about him at first. But, man, I'll tell you what. I like I like me some Chance. I'll go with Chance out there. So, uh, there you go. We have a little mascot talk here to start off Stay Tuned Sports. Sorry about all that. Uh, Wait, but that's as- the first. Yeah, I know. We've talked about Moonshine. We've talked about Taylor Swift. Now we talked about mascots. What are we going to talk about next? I have no idea. Um, <laughs> hey, listen. If you have a favorite mascot, let us know what you think it is. At uh, ST Sports Podcast over there on the Twitter. I'm trying to push that Twitter hard. Got to push it. It's all about branding, Jimbo. They should sponsor us. Who, Twitter? Yeah, Twitter, Why? Facebook, any of them. Why? No, they don't sponsor. They, 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 they need us to pay them for their ads and stuff, which we won't do because we're poor. But uh, they should pay us so we could pay them. You. Oh God, damn it, Jimbo! <laughs> God damn it. Um. Anyway, like I had mentioned to open the show before we got into mascots and whatever the hell you were talking about. Uh, lots going on. In the world of sports, uh, and obviously the big stuff is football. Uh, obviously, uh, we have the NFL is on its way back. Actually, tonight, as we record this, 
the NFL Hall of Fame game is coming your way to kick off the NFL preseason. We have obviously the NFL yes, then Hall of Fame ga- uh, uh, Hall of Fame induction ceremony comes up this weekend, uh, so we have that as well. Uh, college football right around the corner. Only what three weeks or so away from that now? Uh, three or four weeks yeah, away. I think from actually that. the other day I tagged you and it was thirty days till Notre Dame football. So uh, we have that, and I know I think some of the smaller colleges start like a week or, or a week early or something, which is fine. You know, I yeah. like watching Toledo versus Miami Ohio every now and then. That's not bad. Um, so that uh, is is coming up. By the way, um, really, I don't know. Like, there's a couple things going on in baseball. Uh, a couple more uh, trades. Uh, teams trying to solidify themselves. I know they just had the uh, non-waiver treadline, uh, treadline, treadline, trade That's a new deadline. One. There we go. I'm mixing. <laughs> I'm mixing them together. Uh, the little portmanteau there for everybody. Uh, but uh, so the non-waiver trade deadline uh, just passed in Major League Baseball. Teams trying to solidify, set themselves up for the pennant chase. And I know your team, the uh, the uh, Baltimore Orioles, made a couple more moves. Nothing, nothing for this year, obviously, because Baltimore is quite quite terrible. Uh, but I'll, I'll tell you what, as as far as reading what some of the people have said uh, online, their reviews, and and uh, you know, just looking at it from a layman's point of view, which is what we like to do here. We're just we're you know we're just a couple of bar drunks talking about sports. Um, yeah. I gotta say the Orioles' moves aren't terrible. No, they weren't. And they, I think they're setting themselves up for you know, uh, uh, hopefully a good turn at success uh, coming up in the next couple of years. Like I said, if you're gonna try to imitate anybody in baseball at this moment right now, you want to imitate the Yankees and you want to imitate the Astros. Those are the yeah. two teams you want to imitate just for how they decided to you know when they, you know when they reach kind of bottom they realize you know what let's start doing. You know, let's pay attention to the farm system. Let's bring these people up. And that's the thing with the Yankees that, you know, they got a lot of flack for for buying their teams and buying championships. And I'm not going to lie. I think probably 2009, they did buy themselves a World Series. I won't lie that. I won't deny that. But every time the Yankees always did try to buy something, they always ended up not doing well. Most of the 2000s, and since that uh, uh, World Series in 2009, the Yankees haven't been great. The Yankees haven't been good at all. But yeah. when the Yankees had that dynasty, that late 90s dynasty, where they won four out of five, they were, that was all basically homegrown talent. They, they got a couple people here or there to fill in. You know, they filled a spot here, a spot there. But the, the core of that team was all Yankee prospects, you know? And this yeah, would... And this to, to go on to what you're saying there about the farm system... I think out of the four or the five major trades we did, we got 16 prospects. And that's what you're looking for. And that's what I mean. That's And that goes to what the Yankees did in that early 90s period when, you know, ironically enough, they had Buck Showalter, uh, you know, and set up what was going to be that dynasty that they ended up having in the 90s and what it felt like they're doing now uh, with the team that they've put together. Uh, and that they've got going on right now, you know, that this team is, I think, I think this team is well ahead of schedule from where they thought they were going to be, yeah. uh, but they're still doing very well. Uh, and, and I think can only get better and they've set themselves up for that. And the thing about the Yankees is where like a lot, a lot of other teams like, you know, unfortunately your Orioles, when they get a player and they get a really good player, there's for the most part, they're not going to be able to hold on to him because of his contracts. And the Yankees don't have to worry about that. The Yankees will pay whatever they have to pay. They'll pay luxury taxes. They'll pay everything. Yeah. And they'll still get, you know, they'll be able to hold on to everybody. So, like Sanchez, like uh, Stanton, like uh, Judge, all these players, they're going to, they're, they're, you know, uh, 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 Gregorius, they're going to be able to hold on to these guys for, you know, 10, 15 years, however long it is, if they're that successful, if they stay at this level, if they only get better. I mean, the Yan- we could be on the cusp of another Yankees dynasty. The only thing that could stop them, maybe, is how good the Astros are, and that's if the Astros can hold on to everybody, which they may not be able to. 
Uh, yeah. You know, simply because, you know, you hate to say this, they're not the Yankees. There's only a couple teams out there that can do what the Yankees do. And that's obviously the Yankees. If they weren't so inept, the Mets could do it. But, I mean. Oh, Jesus. The, the, I mean, yeah. we, we won't even. I mean, we, we, we'll, we'll touch on the Mets in a second. But, uh, you know, the Red Sox, the Red Sox are able to do stuff like that. The Dodgers. Uh. And maybe the Giants, maybe even maybe, but even now, maybe not even the Giants. You know what I mean? Uh, I guess you could probably say the Cubs. The Cubs are always going to make money no matter what, even when they suck. So yeah, but I mean, so that's maybe that's only because they're Chicago. So I mean, you have maybe four teams, five teams in Major League Baseball that can that can hold on to their young talent like the Yankees do. Will the Astros be able to do that? Will the Astros and Yankees kind of be that uh, almost like a new uh, uh, Yankees Red Sox almost, where they're always constantly in the League Championship Series or they're facing off, and you know who's going to be? You know, I'd, I'd like to see that. I, I always like kind of those kind of rivalries, so we'll see. Uh, but that's interesting. I did happen to mention the Mets. And oh boy. You know, when you when you think about uh what what happened this year, like the Mets kinda got out of the gates really hot. They had a good start and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, maybe the maybe the Mets will actually be good this year. They're gonna surprise everybody or something like that. And then uh I think it was what, middle of April, end of April is when they had the uh batting out of order situation that happened which yeah. was, which was you know embarrassing and and uh you know most met fans i know are like you know only the f and mets could do this you know uh and it's kind of gotten off the rail since now granted they've had a lot of injuries and you know it's it's just it's just been bad for the mets but uh the Didn't mets had problems with that one pitcher also Oh well, right. well, yeah, 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 but that's because he was just kind of that's just kind of he was an ass, you know. Oh, okay. So I mean, I, I'm not going to put that on the Mets outside of signing him, uh, knowing that he was an ass, uh, you know. But but I, I, I'm not going to I'm not going to I mean again the Mets have enough to yell at you know and, and enough problems that I, yeah. I I don't think I need to point that out. But the point of the fact is now the Mets have hit a, a, another low for this season, uh, playing the Washington Nationals, who are skidding, who are, I think are still below 500, a team that was thought to be a National League favorite to get to the World Series this year. Um, man, they have not been doing well. They have been they have been sliding. They have been average at best all year. Um, there were talks of maybe even trading Bryce Harper. From from yeah, the I Nationals, uh, there was t- I mean it, it, that's how bad it's gotten. There's talk about maybe firing the manager. There's talks about you know th- th- there's a lot going on uh, around the Nationals there and uh, around Anacostia where they have their ballpark, their Nationals ballpark. Uh, that was one piece I was surprised that didn't get traded was uh, Harper. No, I did, no no because because the Nationals even if they don't win this year, they're still built to win. So they're not going to trade a keystone of but their free team at the end of the year. I, 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 yeah, but they're going to sign up. They're going to sign up. They, they that's, won't give him three hundred million. That I, they'll they will give up the rest of their team in order to get him. You know, I'm that that's just what they're going to do. They're not giving up Bryce Harper. They're not getting rid of Bryce Harper. They're not going to let him go to free agency. Um, you know, or if he hits the free agent market. Baltimore. What? I said they they kind of strike me like Baltimore where. They they won't pay that big of a contract. No, they will. Any type of player. No, they will. They absolutely will. For him, they will, because that's all they got. They'll they'll pay him. They'll pay whatever luxury taxes, and they will keep him. Because if they don't have him, they don't have anything. But maybe they'll give them a chance to, like, rebuild, like how the Orioles are. No, but they're not. They're not looking at that. They're looking at winning now because this is the team they have now. You got to remember that this team doesn't have a ton of success, even if you go all the way back to Montreal. This team. I mean, this team. This team has been a joke for fifty years. So they're yeah, not the going. Last couple of years, they've, they've been good. They, they've, they've been the best team in the National League, and then they get kicked out in the first round. So. That doesn't matter, and I think that's it. They fired their manager last year after they had got, you know, they got kicked out of the first round again or divisional series again after being the odds-on favorite to make it out of the National League. They got tired of it. They fired their manager, and now they have this new manager who can't, who apparently can't get out of his own way. 
Yeah. Now, so, but the point is, uh, this national team that does have all this problem, uh, don't know what's going on. You know, they're, 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 uh, they're supposed to be a favorite in the league, and they are just fumbling and falling all over themselves. Like I said, I think they're, they're, they've been hovering around 500 all season. They might currently still be below 500. Um, and then you have the Mets, who, again, just they've been worse than that. But you, you kind of figure, you know, you still play with a little bit of pride or maybe something's going to happen. You know, you, you, you're going to lose the game, but you're not going to lose it too badly, right? Well, no. The Mets oh, lost yeah. to the very struggling Nationals, I believe, what was it, earlier this week or was it the end of last week? I can't quite no, remember. Earlier this week. I think it was like Tuesday or It was Wednesday. either Monday or Monday. No, I don't think it was Monday. It wasn't yesterday because uh, we record this on Thursdays. So I think it was Monday. It was probably Monday or, Monday or Tuesday. Uh, but uh, anyway, Nationals beat the Mets 25-1 to 1 is what we're getting at here. We kind of ramble a little bit about the, the uh, Nationals and the Mets. The point I was getting to was that the Nationals uh, destroyed the Mets 25-1 to 1 to, uh, to uh, there was a point where Jose Reyes was pitching for the four. New York Mets. What was it? 25 to 4. Was it 4? I thought it was 1. I thought they only scored yeah, 1. No. no, when I... I think I tweeted it to you. It was 19-1 in the 6th inning. No, because it was 25-1 the last time I looked. Well, because the joke was the, the Mets did a tribute to the Jets to make sure they lose by 3 touchdowns. No, hold on. Let me, let me, let me take a look here. Because I could have sworn that it was... Well, and just to show you how that game was going, too, I think I retweeted this video out. Uh, the Mets pitcher plunked the starting national pitcher, say... Okay, so I must, have, whatever. I, I, must, I must have stopped watching at some point, because you're right, it was 25-4. to 4. So, yeah, so he, he plunked the, the starting nationals pitcher, and the nationals pitcher tried to fake him out and pretend he was running out to the mound and then looked at him and gave him the smirk and walked down the first baseline. That That's when you know it's bad. I, I don't know why. No, that's not anything. But however, what that does turn out to be, though, is the Mets' worst loss in franchise history. Yeah, that that I saw. I think the, what, the second one was 21 runs? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Hold on one second. Let me take a look here. The worst loss they had previous to this was to the Philadelphia Phillies in 1985. They lost 26 to 7. Wow. So they lost by 19 runs there. Here they lost by 21. So still, that's the worst loss for the Mets. So there's a, you know, there's at least they, at least they've hit a milestone. This year, that's all you can really say about the Mets. They've they're they're hitting milestones. They might not be the best, but you <laughs> know, good they, at something. They, they, maybe that'll be that's going to have to be their slogan from now on. Hey, we're the Mets, and we're making history. May not be great history, <laughs> but every game you might be able to witness history. That's I, at this point, if I'm the marketing team, that's why. Even the Mets Twitter posted uh, about it. It was like uh, they put final score, and it was just the emoji of the monkey covering his eyes. Yeah. So that uh, that's just bad, you know. And and listen, as a Yankees fan, you know I hate the Mets, and I used to not to. That's the that's the funny thing. Uh, but uh, ever since the Subway Series in two thousand, uh, and I've dealt with Met fans who are surprisingly more obnoxious than Yankee fans. I I, I find yeah. that incredible. As a Yankees fan, I know how obnoxious Yankee fans are. We are the most obnoxious, just nasty sons of bitches in the world. I get it. Where's your rings? 27 rings, brah. Hey, brah. 27 <laughs> rings. How you doing, Yankee? How you doing? Roger Clemens is in the box in the most dramatic things I've ever seen. Uh, you know, so I understand. Yankees fans, obnoxious, uh, 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 hard to deal with, with people. I get that. I understand that. Um... But man, Mets fans are just the absolute. Because they're they're arrogant and they're pretentious and they're they're kind of just they're, they're that same level of Yankees fans, but without the without the success to go behind it. Yeah. And just the, uh, it, it it bothered me. It bothered me so much. So it's kind of fun to see the Mets fall like this. But even so, it, it's kind of like. 
it's like somebody it's like watching somebody beat up a special needs kid like it's not right like it, it it's you know maybe maybe something happened maybe uh you know well let me ask you something oh it's so bad so so baseball is trying to speed up the game and all that stuff do you think they should put like a mercy rule in no 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 this is this is this is the big leagues man this is you don't, you know, this isn't, uh, this isn't Little League. You don't get, you don't get away with that, you know. That just is, uh, no, I, I don't like the mercy rule. I do. I also don't like the idea of starting extra innings with the guy on second base either, but, you know. Uh, yeah, no. Hopefully, they, hopefully they don't end up going, uh, down that road. Uh, but baseball, there it is, man. We are past now the trade deadline, the, uh, uh the, the waiver exemption trade deadline. Uh, yeah. so we are, we are on our road to the uh to the pennant races so that's kind of interesting to see and exciting to see where that goes from from the following uh weeks as we get closer and closer to october but speaking of fall football pumpkin beer oh god shut up with your stupid pumpkin beer (laughs) that stuff tastes just gross just just stop it just stop it um but football is Right around the corner, we're only a couple weeks away. Uh, as I mentioned before, the Hall of Fame game for the NFL is coming on uh, today as we're recording this. Uh, and then the NFL preseason starts in earnest uh, next week. So that's all kind of fun. We have the NFL Hall of Fame. We'll talk about that in a little while. College football, of course, uh, we are just a little bit away from as well. Uh, starts at the yes. end of this month. Uh, and very early there in September. So excited for that. Uh, the coaches poll has come out. Uh, the Amway coaches poll. The coaches poll, again, really doesn't re- really mean too much anymore in the grand scheme of things when it comes to uh, college football. Uh, yeah, but uh, it's still it's still you know something to look at and see where other, where these coaches or these coaches assistants or the interns or whoever the hell they have filling out the brackets, uh, how they feel about their teams. Alabama is number one in the coaches poll. Not really a shock there, uh, and they're going to open up their season on September first. Uh, in Orlando at the Citrus Bowl versus uh, the Louisville Cardinals, they're going to be without Lamar Jackson. Uh, that's how they're going to start their season. Uh, ranked number two in the coaches' poll. Uh, it's kind of surprising because the top like three, four for the last four years have kind of seemed pretty much the same. Uh, but number two in the coaches' poll, the Clemson Tigers. Uh, they're coming in at number two. They're going to be opening up their season on September 1st against the Furman Paladins. Uh, kind of a bit of a cupcake there, but I do like the Paladins. Like, they, they, they're that mostly, they wear mostly purple. I like a team that wears purple. Even the Vikings. What? I kind of think like the Vikings. Like Barney? Kind of, but just better. I like their helmet, too. It's kind of white, and it's got like that, that Paladin star. It's kind of like the hypocycloid thing. It's, got, it's, it's just oh, cool. Okay. Okay, they're just yeah. cool. For one of the lower-ranked teams, they're cool. I like Furman. Uh, number three is Ohio State. Uh, they, last year, were 12-2, and two, and they will open up their season on September 1st versus Oregon State. Uh, that's going to be on ABC TV uh, at noon there on September 1st. It's going to be one of the first games that they show. Now, uh, to kind of segue into what's going on here, Ohio State's going to have a bit of an interesting month here uh, because there's a bit of stuff happening around Columbus, uh, and that is unfortunately uh, Urban Meyer... One of his assistants and apparently allegations of domestic abuse with the assistant and that assistant's uh, now ex-wife. And this is this is kind of a, this is again in this in this kind of age, it's kind of a very touchy subject. Um, it should have been a touchy subject anyway. Anytime, anytime there's domestic abuse, obviously, or domestic violence. Uh, it, it's it's a huge uh, problem, and it does need to be discussed. Yeah. The question here appears to be, what did Urban Meyer know about his assistant, about his domestic abuse allegations against him? When did he know it? 
and and did he do anything about it? Here's here's what we know. Uh, right now, as of yesterday, as of Wednesday night, Ohio State uh, has placed Meyer on a uh, a leave of absence uh, while they continue this inquiry inquiry. Sorry, uh, to see what uh, to see what's going on. Uh, Ohio State on Wednesday night placed the head coach on paid administrative leave as it conducts its investigation over the Courtney Smith and Zach Smith domestic abuse allegations, uh, said several people close to Meyer. Uh, They said that Meyer knew of the 2015 allegations of domestic violence against uh, Zach Smith, who was the wide receivers coach there at Ohio State. Meyer issued a statement saying that he and athletic director Gene Smith agreed that being on leave during this inquiry will facilitate its completion. Uh, now, as somebody has brought up here, uh, and I've heard bring up a couple of times, is that usually when somebody goes on paid leave, especially when it comes to a coach, that is often the precursor to their firing. Uh, yeah. So this is, this is not... Um, this is not, not any small deal. This is not any kind of, uh, you know, iffy thing or, you know, something that's just going to be swept under the rug. This is something that's pretty uh, 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 pretty big. Now, let's go through what exactly happened. Last month, Zach Smith okay. was charged with criminal trespass stemming from an incident on May 12th when he was uh, dropping off uh, his and his ex-wife's son uh, to his wife Courtney's apartment complex. Courtney said Zach violated a shared parenting plan by coming to her residence. Zach Smith's lawyer said his client has never been arrested and pleaded not guilty to fourth degree misdemeanor, contending that he did not violate any part of this particular thing, uh, of that agreement. In an interview with Stadium, Courtney said Zach's repeated violations of the terms of their divorce prompted her to go public about the years of alleged abuse. Now, there apparently there was a few indications here. In June 20, uh, 2009, Zach Smith was arrested for aggravated battery on a pregnant victim after allegedly throwing Courtney Smith into a wall after an argument at their home in Gainesville, Florida, where Zach was working for Meyer with the University of Florida. Courtney Smith dropped the charges, saying Meyer's close friend Hiram DeFries and mentor Earl Bruce, the former Ohio State coach and Zach's grandfather, encouraged her not to pursue legal action. Meyer said last month at a Big Ten media day that he knew about the 2009 incident and that he and his wife, Shelley, had reached out to Zach and Courtney and encouraged them to seek counseling. Zach remained on the staff at Florida, and when Meyer went to Ohio, Ohio State in 2011, he hired Smith as his wide receivers coach. So that was the first incident, and that was back when he was at Florida. Okay. But if from what it seems like is that uh, Courtney Smith there was was asked not to press charges for whatever reasons these may, may be, and they pressured her into not doing so, and she decided not to. That's not yeah. saying that nothing happened. That is not saying that that man is obviously innocent of anything that happened. Uh, but charges were not pressed. So it's hard to make a, a determination off of that. Now, here we have a second incident. And that is from 2015, October 2015. Uh, Powell, Ohio, police investigated Zach Smith for domestic violence against Courtney, uh, from whom they were separated then at the time. Zach was not charged in the incident. But Courtney told the reporter Brett McMurphy this week that she informed the wives of several Ohio State coaches, including Shelly Meyer, who is the wife of Urban Meyer, about what happened. McMurphy on Monday reported that a text message exchange between Courtney Smith and Lindsay Voltolini, the wife of Ohio State Football Operations Director Brian Voltolini, in which Lindsay wrote that Urban Meyer said Zach Smith denied the allegations. This is critically important because Urban Meyer, responding to McMurphy's initial report about the 2015 incident at the Big Ten Media Day on July 23rd, denied any knowledge of the incident, saying, I was never told about anything, never uh, anything came to light, never had a conversation about it. Courtney Smith told McMurphy this week that she believes Urban Meyer knew about the 2015 abuse, although she never received direct confirmation that he did. Ohio State fired Zach Smith the same day McMurphy first reported 
about the 2015 incident. So, this is okay. the crux of the problem, of, of what we're facing here with Urban Meyer, is that we, there was there was the gentleman on his staff, uh, Zach Smith, who seems to have had a history of domestic abuse against his wife, his separated from wife, and now his ex-wife. Uh, there seems to be a series of these incidents. Now, Urban Meyer says that he knew about the one in 2009, but said that he did not know anything about the 2015 incident, which is what yeah. Brett McMurphy was reporting on. Now, the other report coming out from Brett McMurphy is that there that she does have text exchanges between uh, the the alleged victim here, Courtney Smith, and Urban Meyer's uh, Urban Meyer's wife, sorry, uh, and wives of other Ohio State staff members, uh, in which uh, they were informed and knew of this particular uh, incident. And there's also other reports out there saying that there were direct text messages uh, from Urban Meyer and his wife to Courtney, letting her know that she needs to get away and separate from Zach and get away from this situation. Okay. So this is where the problem comes in, is that Urban Meyer stated that he had no knowledge, no idea about the 2015 incidents when the story came out. And it turns out, if it turns out that he did and still kept Zach Smith on his staff, uh, that's when we get into the problem. Um, basically, it's a huge PR problem for Ohio State uh, for, you know, having a, a, a basically a, a never a convicted domestic abuser, but somebody who has enough of the domestic violence uh, history and complaints against him uh, for it to seem... I mean, it's unseemly. Again, I, I, I hate the whole court of public opinion thing. I really do. I think it's yeah. hurt some of the players. Like, you see some of the players in baseball now with their Twitters from when they were teenagers, and, and, and some of the stuff that they said there is now starting to come back and haunt them. I don't like any of that, but this seems to be a little bit more of the, you know, common sense. Just looking at it come from a common sense point of, of view, um, you know, there's no smoke without fire, and, and this gentleman has enough smoke around him that uh, he probably shouldn't have been part of of any staff with Urban Meyer. This is the this well, is the this is the question I'm gonna I'm gonna post to you. Nothing happened to Ohio State if they didn't know about it, right? What's I mean, that? If Urban Meyer knew about if Urban Meyer knew about it, he would be obviously gone. He'll, he'll be fired. But NCAA won't do anything to Ohio State about it because they didn't know about it. No, right? this won't. No, this won't be anything going against Ohio State. But this will be definitely going against Urban Meyer if he knew about it. From which they're saying that the uh, the text messages certainly are showing that that he did know about it. That's definitely going to go uh, with him probably uh, being being terminated by Ohio State because if he knew this, okay. this and this is going to be the question I pose to you now. Should Urban Meyer, is, is it his responsibility to fire or, or 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 have a coach on on his on his staff that he knows has had these allegations against him, whether or not he's been convicted or not, whether or not it's actually been anything like that? It, it, it appears like there was a history. It appears that there was uh, more than enough times where it happened, and he was told, like in 2009 with Florida, that he was yeah. told, you know, uh, that Courtney Smith was told to not come forward, uh, and you know, don't press charges on that, and that's when she was pregnant. So we, you know, you have somebody here who, like, uh, the, the, the police were ready to, to press charges against for abuse of a pregnant woman, which was his yeah. wife at the time. Uh, and and now has these several other allegations also against him, uh, stemming from 2015. Is that Urban Meyer's responsibility? I would say yeah, because Urban Meyer or any type of college head coach or NFL coaches are te are teaching these kids or uh, adults how to act, you know, be role models. 
kind of mo- so mo- basically ask, molding yeah. molding them into men is like the, the, that's the phrase they always love to use with these coaches. Yeah. We're taking these young men and we're molding them into the men of tomorrow and stuff like that, right? Exactly. And if you have a coach that's doing all this stuff, what type of uh, signal you send to your players? But listen, saying it's okay to go. Yeah, right. It's okay to go do this stuff. And I agree with you on that point. I do agree with you. And I do agree that there has to be at some point. Um, Apparently, this guy was just Urban Meyer's boy. And with all the things that happened in Florida, and then when he got the job at Ohio State, he brought him along and all this stuff. And it seems like no matter what. And here's the thing. If this story didn't break out about the 2015 incident, he'd still be their wide receivers coach. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, at some point, now, will Ohio State face any penalties? I don't know. I don't think so. But then again, you never know with the NCAA. They're kind of wonky with whatever punishments they do. But I honestly don't see Urban Meyer surviving this. Uh, and again, like somebody brought up the, the point that they put him on paid administrative leave. That's you, That's what they put uh, Rick Patino on in Louisville before yeah. they got rid of his ass. Uh, and, and, and it looks like that's what's going to happen to Urban Meyer. And boy, could it not happen at a worse time right before the season's going to start. I mean, they, this, this all came out there on Big Ten Media Day. You know? And you know what else, though? What's that? Even if he's cleared of the, the, the charges or, or whatever, I could see Ohio State behind doors with him say, listen, uh, we will let you save face and just resign because this story's going to keep following him whether he's at fault or not. Well, that's the thing. At this point, it doesn't matter whether he gets fired or whether he resigns. Either way, there, there, there's not there's not going to be any way for him to not come out on top of this. Yeah. He's not coming out on top of this story. If everything that comes out comes out the way it is, uh, it's definitely not It's definitely not going to come out. Now, for right now, the offensive coordinator, Ryan Day, uh, has been named the acting head coach for Urban Meyer. Uh, Former Eagles coach. Uh, he's 39 years old, joined his staff in early 2017 uh, as the co-offensive coordinator and quarterback's coach. He was promoted to offensive coordinator after the 2017 season and given the primary play-calling duties. Uh, he played at New Hampshire, uh, and he was the uh, he played under then offensive coordinator Chip Kelly. <laughs> I was gonna say I was wondering if it was him. Yeah, wow. There's a bunch of bunch of Eagles connections there. Uh, yeah. He was a graduate assistant for Meyer at Florida and became coordinator at Temple and Boston College before joining Kelly with the NFL's Philadelphia Eagles and San Francisco 49ers. Uh, they will be uh, they, he will lead the Buckeye staff that includes former Rutgers and Tampa Bay Bucks coach Greg Schiano. I remember him, man. That's there was that there was that two year period where Rutgers was relevant. Oh, I missed that. Yeah. Uh, and former Indiana coach Kevin Wilson. Um, what? Now, now, again, it seems kind of callous to do, but we are kind of a sports show, right? So I do want to kind of look at this aspect of it, too. Uh, looking away from, the, obviously, the horrible domestic violence portion of this yeah. story, focusing on the football for a second, what does this do to Ohio State this year? If anything, do you think? Do you think that this team will be... Is it talented enough? Are the coaches going to like? Is it? Is, are they set up to where they can succeed, even without Urban Meyer? And maybe it's just the seasons going forward with recruiting and everything like that. Maybe gets hurt, or is, will this basically be a black cloud over them all season, where they they they're just they end up having like you know a, a, a seven and five, six and six season. Well, I mean, it, it, it could go either way. It could go one where they're going to go zero and twelve. Just I don't, I don't think no. Ohio State. Listen, Ohio State. For as much as that is, they're not, they're not going to go zero and twelve. They're not. They're not going to. Well, I'm not, not saying zero and twelve, but I'm just saying they could be one of the biggest collapses ever. Okay, but I don't want you here. Here's and here's the opinion I want to get because I kind of already said the the uh, the the one we if, if you you gun to your head, you have to pick. Do you think that they will either? Just kind of go on, row on, as if no, you know they're, 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 they will still play as Ohio State. They'll still be in a Big Ten championship game. They're still going to be one of the top teams in the nation, or are they going to collapse? What do? You, what is your opinion on what do you think will happen? I think the more likelihood thing to happen would be a collapse. 
You're thinking that they're gonna, that the they're black gonna cloud's going to follow them. I'll tell you yes. what. I was I was thinking that, but for some reason, something about this just seems like you you, you have Ryan Day, who was the he, he was going to be calling the plays anyway on the offense, and Shiano yeah. has control of the defense. I, I have a feeling like I don't I don't know I, I I don't see Ohio State falling off tremendously this season anyway whether Urban Meyer is there or not especially this close to the season I think the players have been coached and prepared as much as they're going to be they're going to have all the coaches there that they listen to anyway on the offensive side of the ball they all listen to Day on the defensive side of the ball they all listen to Shiano and they have all the other coaches there except for the wide receivers coach obviously Zach Smith because he's obviously been gone since media day uh but I don't see the team falling off. Now, for the next couple of years, when it comes to recruitment, when all these play- other players either go to the NFL or graduate or whatever, yes, I think Ohio State will fall off. But yeah. for right now, for this season, I don't see I, – I, I honestly don't think Ohio State's going to fall off that much, if at all. I still think I, – I can still see them uh, in, the big t- in the Big Ten Championship game. I absolutely can. And see, maybe I, even I going for the playoffs. I think with the the black cloud kind of being over, it's going to eventually wear like wear out the the kids men- mentally. I, it could. Whether whether asked about that every week, how do you feel? Like you know, yeah. you, you know, especially if they do get off to a good start, do you like you know? Uh, that's probably the best thing for them. But if they like lose a game right out of, right out of uh, right out of the gates, yeah. Like again, they're playing Oregon State their first week, so I don't think. They're going to lose that game. They shouldn't. But if, let's say they do. Let's say they end up losing against Oregon State that first game. Then you have the chance for a snowball. Then yeah. you have a chance. Or if they go like one and two in the first three weeks, you have the chance for, uh, you know, is this because Urban Meyer's not there? Do you guys Are you guys missing a head coach? Do you know, how do you guys kind of recover from this without Urban Meyer there, blah, blah, blah. Then I can see it snowballing. But if they start see, off. Here's something else, though, too. We we only have what three four weeks before the season starts. Yes. Is this investigation going to be over before then to decide uh, Urban's fate? Uh, the, you know, and that's the thing. Be beforehand? And that's thing they said. The school has placed no timetable or committed uh, or commented officially beyond Wednesday night statement saying that Urban Meyer has been pla- 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 placed on administrative leave. Um, Part of that uh, statement did read, we are focused on supporting our players and on getting to the truth as expeditiously as possible. Uh, I have a feeling Ohio State's going to want to get this done before the season starts. I so, too. I'm going to, uh, I'll see, I, by this time next week, we're probably going to be talking about Urban Meyer being fired. Or, or having resigned. I think that the, the next episode of Stay Tuned Sports is going to be, you know, Urban Meyer fired. Will he ever, will he find another job somewhere else? Will somebody else hire him? Will any of that stuff happen? Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. I think that's going to be the show next week. If I had to make a prediction, looking into my crystal ball, uh, <laughs> that's 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 what it looks like it's coming down to. Um, again, we'll have to see. Uh, but... I'm I'm very I'm very interested. I want to look up the Ohio State schedule here. You know, you were saying about Oregon State. That's their first game, September first. That's their first game. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they beat them. Let's see. They're they're a tricky team. Tricky, tricky. Really, Oregon State? No. Uh, So you have Oregon State. Which one's going to show up? You have OSU versus OSU. Then their next game is against Rutgers. Uh, That's a that's a conference game. Uh, then they play TCU, so I can see or I can see Ohio State being two and zero before they play TCU, and TCU is one of those yeah. teams that's tricky. You never know how TCU is going to be every year. They could be great, they could be middle of the pack, they could be terrible. Uh, but Ohio State is going to uh, uh, TCU. They are going down there. Uh, so that's going to be their first away game. So that's going to be interesting to see how that happens. Then they play Tulane, Penn State, and then Indiana. So honestly, I can see them. They, they could. 
Ohio State could lose to Penn State, obviously, and they could lose to TCU. Outside of that, they should win every other week. So, uh, at worst, Ohio State could be, in my opinion, Ohio State could be 4-2 and two at worst and at best 6-0 and oh after the first six, six games of the season. Uh, yeah, I guess I could agree with that. I think they can be. I think Maybe they can obviously 500. be. I think they can. I, I don't think they'll get that bad. You think they will, and that's okay. But looking at that schedule, who do you think? Who do you think beats them? Even if the, even if Ohio State is distracted and has all this stuff, who's going to beat them? Rutgers. I, I love Rutgers. I, I'm a Jersey I, no, boy. Don't Rutgers. get me wrong. But Rutgers ain't going to beat them. Tulane's yeah. not going to beat them. Indiana's not going to beat them. Oregon State. I'm telling you, this this whole story is going to. Affect the team, the coaches. So if I'm looking at it from distract them, if I'm if I'm looking at it from your point of view, even if even with the most distracted, unfocused team, at worst, at worst, Ohio State's going to be three and three for the first six games. Yeah, that's at worst, and I don't think they're going to be that bad. I don't think they're going to be that bad at all. Because no. I think they, I think they beat Oregon State easily. I think they beat Rutgers easily. I think they beat Tulane easily, and I think they beat Indiana very easily. Those are all. Do you still have their schedule up? Those are those are all. Yes, I do have their schedule up. What's the rest of the schedule after the sixth game? Uh, okay, then they play Minnesota. That's a win. They play Purdue. That's a win. They play Nebraska. That's a win. They play Michigan State. That gets iffy. That's a little dicey. They play Maryland. That's a win. And then it's the big game with Michigan. So the, if I'm honest, if I'm going to be honest with you, Ohio State's schedule favors them to be very good this year, even with this distraction. Yeah. Ohio I mean, State has the there, chance to only maybe, be... They have, maybe one game lost. And that's if, a maybe. If I'm looking at here, the only games I can see them losing, if, if we're going to go worst-case scenario for Ohio State here, I yeah. see them losing. The t- if they're completely distracted, the, the Urban Meyer thing has ruined them. They're just, ter- they're just awful. They can lose to TCU. They can lose to Penn State. They could lose to Michigan State. And they might lose to Michigan. So that's four losses, which still puts them in a pretty decent bowl game. Yeah. That puts them at eight and four. And that's uh, to me. That's the that's the absolute worst that Ohio State could be this season. I think the absolute worst Ohio State can be, me personally, is eight and four. I personally think the only games they, they actually probably do lose, they have a they actually have a chance to run the table here. Yeah, I mean Penn State. Not a, Penn State a strong. I think Penn State's the only game they. I think to me, is a probable loss because again they're playing at Penn State too. But I think Penn yeah. State's the only game I'm willing to go out right now and say Ohio State loses, even without Urban Meyer. I'm saying okay. that's the only game I'm 100 percent or 90 percent, 85 percent on. Like if I was to put money, I would put money on Ohio State losing that game to Penn State. Outside of that, I'm not sure if I'm putting money on Ohio State to lose any of these other games. Again, we'll see how it is halfway through the season. But I don't see. I, I just. I, this team is too talented. I think the the, the the kids and the players know too much. You're not going to lose much on a coaching staff because, again, you have a day who's going to be calling the plays anyway. So the offensive yeah. players, we're going to be listening to him anyway. He's setting up every. He's setting up the offensive side of the ball. And Shiano was running the defensive side. He's, he loves running that defensive side. So oh, uh, to, yeah. to me, I don't. I, I, I don't see where there's going to be that much of a tangible loss outside of recruiting. And that's only going to affect, you know, next season, the season after, the season after that. But yeah. for right now, for Ohio State, I think the best thing to do would be they they already have Urban Meyer on administrative leave. He's probably going uh, – he's probably getting terminated within the next week if he doesn't resign, which is another thing that you brought up that he might do. Yeah. Uh, but it, all in all, man, I'm telling you – it may not be the worst case scenario here for Ohio State. Even as bad as it may be, they may go into uh, the offseason era at 11 and 1, which I think obviously I think that puts them in the Big Ten championship game, and I think it definitely puts them in the playoff uh, discussion. I was going to say, I mean, depending uh, on what everybody else we, does, we didn't see a three-team lose. Or, I'm sorry, three-loss team in the playoffs yet, right? It was always just two. Two is the most that we've seen so far. Yeah. So even so with, yeah, even if they get a second loss, they still might get in. 
Yeah. And the only other one I can honestly see here that might be a loss for them is is Michigan State. They're playing at Michigan State uh, in November. That's a possible. That's a possible yeah. loss. But uh, I mean, I, I don't. I don't know. And again, until until Michigan beats Ohio State, you know. And again, they're playing. They're going to be playing at the Horseshoe this year uh, for the last game. I, okay. I, I'm telling you, man. I, I just I don't see it happening. Uh, where Ohio State's just going to fall off the face of the earth. It, it just doesn't seem that way to me. Uh, again, it, it, it may it may change. You know, again, we'll, we'll revisit this as the college season goes on. Uh, yeah. But for right now, um, we're going to see we're going to see how that goes. But moving on here from college football, it's time to move a little bit to the pro ranks. It's not the you know there, there's there's. Training camp has started, and uh, the Hall of Fame game, our first look, our first taste, it's basically an inter-squad scrimmage at this point. Uh, yeah. But we do get to see the logos and the uniforms and the helmets, and it's all shiny, and oh, it's it's football's back. Everybody loves it, for that for, at least for the first quarter, everybody. Everybody loves the, the first series or two and the first quarter, and then everybody just drinks <laughs> yeah. and turns it off. But uh, NFL football is back uh, it is what the Bears and the Ravens are playing in a Hall of Fame game this year. Yeah. Uh, so really not much to talk about as far as that goes. But uh, something I did want to talk about uh, was was the actual Hall of Fame itself of who's going in this year. Uh, one of the probably the biggest story for this year's Hall of Fame is the fact that. Uh, Obviously, and you have to talk about it, Mr. Get Your Popcorn Ready, Terrell Owens, not going to yes, be at him. the induction ceremony. I can't stand him. So, uh, I, well, you, you, listen, you liked him enough when he was on the Eagles. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> and statistics-wise, listen, the dude belongs in the Hall of Fame. But did you kind of, there's a part of me, and I think it had to be a part of every football fan, knew he was gonna do something like this. This this is this is I totally agree. This is TO all over. And again, I I think it's because that he the, the media, the you know, the, 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 the Hall of Fame voters didn't put him in as first ballot. He never had that greater relationship with the media. And this yeah. is just his one last thing of like being like another F you to the media. Of yeah. just like, you know, you guys wanna be there, you guys wanna be do all the interviews and all the other other stuff and guess what? Nah. Screw you. I'm just going to... I'm going to be here. I'm going to do my own party. I'm going to have my own thing. And and, and and do all that kind of junk. So, I mean, I, I, at that respect, like, uh, you, you look at it... If you look at it in, in, in a vacuum, no, it's disrespectful to the Hall of Fame. It's disrespectful to everybody there. It's all that kind of stuff. I, I, I get that. I understand that. Taking into account that it's Terrell Owens... I totally see it, and I totally understand it, and I get—I I honestly wouldn't respect any or, or, or expect anything less. I obviously I don't respect it. I think he should have showed up anyway. Just if, yeah. you know, if, even if it's just kind of an f you to the media, that's fine. But for your fellow players, for your fellow Hall of Famers, for those guys, you should you should have probably showed up. But um, you know, that's the thing that like uh, I was surprised with the the media like. They seemed like they thought he finally grew up and wasn't going to pull one of these stunts. And all of a sudden, when he did it, oh my god, I can't believe he did it. It's like, I, seriously, it's Tio. Yeah, I just, I, I don't, uh, I, I don't see that. So that's going to be, I, I'm going to, it's going to be interesting to see how they handle that. Will they still give him the video package? Will it be somebody to say, hey, Terrell Owens, you're in the Hall of Fame, congratulations. Or are they just going to skip over him? I just have everybody else is there and just, you know, his bust will just be there. Like, I, I wonder well, how that's, they're going to handle that. When uh, when Tio put, pulled this whole stunt, I think it was a couple of days later, um, the the Hall of Fame committee came out and said they just won't um, announce him during the ceremony. Like he'll still go in there, he'll still get the bus, he'll still get all that stuff. He just won't be. He's not going to be part of the whole ceremony. That's that's yeah. That's going to be weird though. I still want to see that. As I'm so I'm going to watch it just to say, just because yeah. it's interesting. Um, 
Also going in this year was Brian Urlacher, who I think is very well-deserved, one of the best linebackers in the history of, of football. I agree. Uh, I, I think he, unfortunately, like a lot of great Bears linebackers, Dick Buckus comes to mind, of great linebackers who never won a championship, who was on some pretty bad teams. Uh, who would made you choose between Buckus or Urlacher? Oh, Buckus. Okay. I like Urlacher, don't get me wrong. It's hard to choose, but I, I think you got to go Buckus. Did you ever uh, see, uh, I think it was ESPN, a couple years back, uh, Buckus was a head coach for high school football team. It was him, uh, Randall L. from Pittsburgh. I did not see any of that. Oh, it, it was actually pretty good. It, 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 um, I think it felt like a Pittsburgh high school. But the one scene that I found funny was uh, they were talking about fumbles and what goes on underneath there. And the one guy said to, to Buckus, goes, so did you really hit someone in the, you know what? He looked, smiled, said, no comment. Well, no, but I mean that's <laughs> common knowledge when you're on the bottom. As, as somebody who used to yeah, play you football, s- you scrape, you when poke, you do everything. When, when you're on the bottom of that pile, you're grabbing nuts, you're punching junk, you're you're yeah putting fingers in places, you're doing anything you can to make sure that they let go of that football, you know. And uh, it's it's a it's a mad scene down there, man. It's uh, I mean even ask Mark Schlera, you know, he's always one yeah. of the ones you always love talking about that. He used to piss himself. So I was gonna say, yeah, I remember that. That's that's why he got he had the nickname Stink because he used to just piss himself right on the field. So yeah. uh, good for him. Uh, <laughs> let's see uh, who else is going in. Obviously Randy Moss, who I think. Uh, uh, but Top this was, was was this his was this his first was this his first ballot or was this um, his second? Because let's see I his last because I think it was Ray Lewis was his first too. Yes, no, because this is se- this was his second one. He should have been oh, in the first okay. ballot. Randy Moss should have been because he retired in 2012, and you have to be retired for five years. So that would be 13, 14, 15. So 17, I think, was his first year of yeah. eligibility. I think I may be wrong on that. Again, I, I'm not exactly sure. Again, if you if you want like. Uh, if you want proper sports talk, you're, you're in the <laughs> wrong place. Uh, but either way, uh, he and Owens, uh, two of the greatest receivers of our of our generation of our time, uh, watching it. Obviously, they both belong in there. Uh, My boy's going in. I was I was gonna get to him. I was gonna well, get listen, to him. You're, you're teasing me because we still got to talk about Jerry Kramer, who I was surprised as hell he wasn't in yet. I thought he was. I thought Jerry Kramer was too, and then they announced him. I'm like, I thought, I thought Jerry Kramer was already in. Sure enough, no. Kramer, after all those years, after all these years, uh, yeah. finally in. He was born in 1936 in Jordan, Montana. He went to Idaho, the University of Idaho. He was a vandal, uh, and he played from 1958 to 1968 uh, with the Lombardi Packers. Uh, so, congratulations to him for finally getting in. Uh, Ray Lewis, uh, he's in as well. He's a first balloter. Oh, so Randy, Definitely no, because he's a first ballot. So Randy Moss is first ballot as well because they both stopped playing in 2012. So Moss was yeah. a first ballot. Ray Lewis was a first ballot. Uh, you know, you, you, obviously we could sit here and make jokes about Ray Lewis, and uh, they've all been done anyway. Uh, but you know, taking all that. You know, he was never convicted. Everything was always allegedly. Uh, yeah. So, but he was definitely one of the greatest linebackers to ever play the game. I still uh, contend that Lawrence Taylor, still the best linebacker in the history of football. Uh, but Ray Lewis is certainly up there uh, and can challenge for that. It's, it's an argument. It's an argue. It's, it's it's an argument to have whether it's Ray Lewis or, or Lawrence Taylor. Uh, How close of an argument is it? I don't know. I'd have to find somebody who thinks Ray Lewis is better than Lawrence Taylor, and then we'd argue about it and see who's better. I would probably win because I'm better. Uh, I'm very smart. Uh, Robert Brazil, he's going in as well. Uh, This seems to be another uh, an old-timers selection. Uh, He played 10 seasons uh, with the Houston Oilers from 1975 to 1984. Uh, He was good from what I'm looking at the stats here. I know that's kind of an understatement. He, he was good. Hall of <laughs> Famer. Good. 
He good, he good guy. Uh, he I go out get his jersey now. Uh, he registered a career best 185 tackles, 95 solo, and 98 assisted during the 1978 season. He started an oh, outside geez. linebacker in back-to-back AFC Championship games, recorded nine tackles and one fumble recovery in the 1978 AFC Championship game. Uh, he was a spectacular pass rusher and recorded a career best six and a half sacks in 1976 and again in 1980. Uh, his career statistics include 13 interceptions, 14 fumble recoveries, uh, five straight seasons of being an All-Pro from 1976 to 1980. He was selected to seven Pro Bowls overall. He was named to the NFL's All-Decade Team of the 1970s, uh, and he was born in 1953 in Mobile, Alabama. Bobby Man, Bethard. Bobby Bethard. He's going in as a contributor. Uh... He spent his time there with the Kansas City Chiefs in 66 and 67. From 68 to 71, he was with the expansion Atlanta Falcons. From 72 to 77, he built that magical Miami Dolphins team. From 78 to 88, he was with the Washington Redskins building the Hogs down there in D.C. with Joe Gibbs. And from 90 to 99, he was with the San Diego Chargers. He's had one hell of a career uh, in the front office of all these teams. Uh, Bobby Bethard used to be one of those names you heard. Uh, and yeah. it was like one of those, you know, kind of like a George Young or, you know, something along those lines. It was just one of those people that, that you know, almost like nowadays with, uh, uh, you know, just he's just one of those executives that, you know, you, he got it. And if we got him, your team was going to become better. Uh, and, yeah. and sure enough, there was a – and that his time with San Diego, he brought them to their first Super Bowl. And granted, they got stomped by the Niners, but uh, they were still I there. I still remember that one, I think. Now, see, am I missing anybody? Am I missing anybody? I don't think I skipped anybody. I don't think we... I think we hit on everybody. I think Lonzo Ball was going in. Uh, No, of course, (laughs) we have to mention uh, Jimbo's favorite guy. He has a couple jerseys for this guy. He loves this guy. He's all about this guy. He touches himself inappropriately to this guy. Brian Dawkins, he's going in. The X Factor. Uh, he played from 1996 to 2008 with the Philadelphia Eagles, and he played from 2009 to 2011 with the Denver Broncos. 16 seasons overall, 224 games. Uh, he was named the Eagles defensive MVP five times. He helped the Eagles get to eight playoff appearances. He started in four NFC Championship games, one Super Bowl, because that's all they they got to. <laughs> uh, first team all pro five seasons uh he earned first of uh nine pro bowl nods after the 1999 season first player in nfl history to record a sack interception and fumble recovery and the touchdown catch in the same game that happened against the houston texans in 2002 he set the eagles record for most games played voted to the nfl's old decade team of the 2000s he intercepted a pass in 15 straight seasons. He led the Eagles in interceptions in back-to-back seasons in 97 and 98. Recorded 37 interceptions. Returned for 513 total yards and two touchdowns in his career. Recorded multiple interceptions in a season 11 times. Pick sixes include a 64-yard return versus the Giants. Uh... In 1997, and a 67-yard score versus the Dolphins in 1999. He averaged nearly 100 tackles per season throughout his career. He registered 26 career sacks. He also had a 49-yard fumble return for a touchdown in 2001. He recorded three sacks in his final season with the Broncos, and he helped those Broncos to a division title. That was in 2011. Mr. Dawkins was born in 1973 in the lovely city of Jacksonville, Florida. Which smells like ass because of all the paper mills. But, but that's all he did in his career. That that's all. <laughs> you seriously saying that? You're, I hope you're being facetious. I really do. Because even as a Giants no, fan, joking. and I hate, I hate I hate the Eagles, and I certainly hate the Hawkins, but you got to respect the career the man had. He's definitely a Hall of Famer, no question about it. He, he didn't get it on the first ballot, but he got it on his second, and well deserved for Brian Dawkins and for all of those. Uh, Hall of Famers, congratulations to them. They're going in this uh, this weekend there to Canton. Uh, even T.O., which is going to be interesting to see, again, to me, how they handle that. What does he do? Is he going to, like, interrupt and do, like, an NWO-style kind of, like, you know, interruption of the feed? 
I'm, oh my god, we gotta stop hanging out. I just thought that. TTO for for life. <laughs> oh, dude, that'd be great. I'd be. I would. I would. I would you actually mark. I out would for start respecting him a little bit. I'd mark out for that. Uh, <laughs> but that's it. That, and that's it, basically. And then next week we start with the regular free season, where we'll get to be able to talk a little bit more about what's going on yeah. there. But uh, honestly, the big story uh, for this week was Urban Meyer. All of that. Uh, the Mets being ridiculously awful. Um, NJ Devil being the best mascot, and I think I think we've we've hit all the bases there. Really, uh, I certainly Except hope we. That What's that? You were wrong on one thing. What was I wrong? I, first of all, I'm never wrong. But go ahead. What was I wrong? Swoop is the most dominant mascot out there. Not even close. You're dumb. You're stupid. Shut up. No. <laughs> Jimbo, where can they find you on the Twitter? You can find me at Jimbo St Sports. Uh, you can find me at King of Skunk Duck. That is at King of Skunk Duck, like the animal skunk and a duck together. King of Skunk Duck. And of course, you can follow the show's main Twitter. That is at ST Sports Podcast. That is at ST Sports Podcast. We want to thank you all so much for listening to us ramble on this week. What are your thoughts on the Hall of Fame? What's your thought on Urban Meyer? What's all going to happen? How is Ohio State going to do this year? That goes to our opinion as well. You can follow us again on Twitter at SD Sports Podcast. Let us know your opinion. We're going to put up a poll there and tell you tell us how you think Ohio State is going to do this year. But for now, my name is King. And it's your good friend Jimbo. And you've been listening to Stay Tuned Sports. See ya!